Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. My social circle uh was very tied to cars and motorsport and events and stuff and when i lost that license my social circle just evaporated overnight and kind of all the roles were allocated and it got down well who's gonna be ceos oh, it's gonna be me <laughs> <laughs> so i had to learn about business development and about yeah. sales and about marketing and you know hr and raising capital let's do it the right way and not go for the short-term money gram and then disappear in 12 months yeah because it's going to have our faces on it and if i'm going to do business in crypto yeah. long term we need to do something right now and not just yeah. something cheap and nasty. I was getting like 60 calls a day from different VoIP numbers all over the world. I think it was just like some automated Amazon yeah. service. So I was like, okay, uh, they were trying to access my Instagram, my Twitter, my personal email, an email address I forgot I had. We're talking with a massive property firm here in the UK that they just want to start taking their fees in crypto. I've seen some amazing examples of NFTs that are so cool and so slick. And then we've got digital rocks, JPEGs worth 2 million. That's not <laughs> a good example. Why is this broken thing over here so slow? Oh, because that's how they make all their money. They make so much money like banking and financial services. They make so much money out of being middlemen and keeping it to themselves. You don't need to understand every segwit and every one and zero. That's not what it's about. It's about having part of your financial freedom outside of the existing financial system and onto the new Web3 financial system. And that is the beauty of crypto. Where, where do you think the, the future of it is? Welcome to the Takeoff Experience, where I sit down with highly driven people to talk about their journey, their failures, and their successes. If you want to take off in your career, your business, your finances, or your mindset, then this podcast is for you. Welcome back to the Takeoff Experience. We've got a very, very special guest in the building. We're gonna take it back to crypto. We've got Jeff in the building who is CEO and co-founder of a crypto exchange, but I actually let him explain what it is in a second. But how, how are you doing today, Jeff? Now really good. It's a bit rainy in London, as as we kind of always expect. Yeah. Um, starting to cool down. Which it is. is. Nice. It's been a hot summer. It's been a very hot um, summer. But not otherwise that, enjoyed the travel in, made some calls, did some emails. Yeah. Keep where, busy. Where did you travel in from? Uh, just in from working. Okay. Um, live out in the, in, not really in the sticks, but it's it's close enough to London to be quick. Yeah. Um, you know, I live on the canal. I have I have a nice view of trees okay. during the day, so I nice. get um I get a bit of zen and a bit of fresh air. 
Okay. And I can be in Waterloo in 25 minutes. So it's, it's quite cool. That's cool. Yeah. So wh why did you decide there instead of like this city? You don't well, like the city life? I lived in, you know, I moved, I, I originally from Australia as you, the accent comes and goes. Um, moved, moved from the UK, moved from Australia to the UK in 2010. Okay. Um, and uh, came over here, lived in London about 10 years. You know, loved it. I was in North London for a bit, South London for a bit, uh, Battersea for quite a long time on wow. the river there. And it was cool, but then it was, um, you know, just area got a bit overpopulated, quite noisy, uh, and just mathematically, the, just, the value started to drop off a little bit. So yeah. kind of did the maths and, you know, wanted to go to something a little bit smaller because that flat was a bit too big. And um, just mathematically, working worked out really, really cool. So what do you mean quick, mathematically? What does well, that mean? <laughs> well, mathematically, you know, you could pay, you know, 15, 1800 pounds for okay. a, a, a nice one bed or a, yeah. an okay two bed. Um, but we've got the top floor of a detached house in okay. for like 1200 quid. It's, yeah. you know, detached house, never see the neighbor. She's in like Mallorca half the time. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, short walk to the station. I live on the canal. So there's like boats and swans and ducks and trees. And my gym is 200 yards from okay. the house. Uh, and yeah, we just save a lot of cash to buy more crypto with. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good answer. It's a good, it's a good time gonna, to be yeah, yeah. yeah, we're going to talk a lot about crypto today. So actually, who is Jeff? So uh, obviously I'm Jeff. Nice to meet you. Um, my background is I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm a tech okay. guy. Um, started out in Oz, like pretty much the, the stereotype. Started my career behind a bar. I uh, was bartender okay. and, and food and Bev and, well, you call them, fruit machines over here we call them pokies in australia so we did a lot of that stuff out of high school um uh, wasn't cut out for university which is cool um was really into my cars and my motorsport um you do you accumulate points over here or lose them i can't remember which way it is. You, for uh points for, for, for your, your driving cars. license yeah uh, you accumulate points okay, if you get yeah, a certain thing yeah. so in australia we, we, we yeah. lose points and okay. i used to lose mine quite aggressively from very tiny speeding fines followed by one very very big one and my social circle uh, was very tied to cars and motorsport and events and stuff. And when I lost that license, my social circle just evaporated overnight, which is quite really. Is it what people yeah, didn't want to hang out with you? No, anymore? just well, I've got heaps of money for cabs to get anywhere now, but it was kind of just it showed how weak my social circle was. Wow, it will kind of come back to that a few times through through the podcast um, on entrepreneurship and other stuff like that. Um, so I took a year off driving. I lived on, you know, I lived in a in a in a, in a flat on the beach um with a with a lovely lovely young lady that turned out to be a dancer um <laughs> still working at, and i worked at a at a casino yeah uh, but i was doing tech and cybersecurity, um and that's kind of where i started my career like literally jumping in the deep end um was there about five years used to do crazy hours but i i, I absolutely loved it i mean a casino uh not just for the gambling bit but just how how the business operates and the numbers they deal with and just how efficient everything is because they're effectively printing money yeah and because they pay 50 cents in the dollar in tax they they know what they're doing yeah. i mean they they measure their revenue on per square foot which is just mental so it kind of got a really working in tech in that kind of business i got to see what happens on the floor what happens off the floor what happens up in the high roller rooms yeah. the finance so all that stuff together was a really really cool way to kind of launch my tech career yeah in that year off from not driving and just saving cash and you know figuring out really who i was and what i wanted to do I had the opportunity when I was 25 to come over to the UK and do a, a long distance rally. And we drove a, um, uh, a 500 pound Fiat Bravo we bought on the internet. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we drove it from London to Mongolia in yeah. four weeks. Um, wow. Got all the way really? To, yeah. Yeah. And the whole okay. idea was to get an unsuitable car, an unsuitable distance 
uh, to auction it off for charity. And we raised about the money we raised from our friends and family and selling the car. We raised about 6,000 pounds for wow. um, the Christina Noble children's charity. Okay. It was really great. Got all the way to the end, high-fived all our mates, and then kind of realized we didn't have a plan. We kind of planned to get to the end and then you know, just figure the rest out. Yeah. Which kind of is a bit entrepreneurial as well. People, yeah. You, you just do. Yeah. And you know, I've heard a couple of your other guests as well. You, you just start by doing and yeah. you figure the rest out. Uh, so we had a visa to come back to the UK, came back to the UK, started working, doing tech roles, um, found my way into a, a cool managed service provider. And I started looking after data centers, um, companies all over the UK, a few of them in Europe, did quite a lot of travel with that and allowed wow. me to get a working visa to stay in the country. And then after a few years when, you know, I was really kind of leaning into my career, I've been doing it for kind of 10 years now, I was good at what I'm doing. You know, I said I wanted to get into the operations side, mm-hmm. I wanted to get into the sales side and I just wasn't allowed yeah so i started looking at what i wanted to do with my financial career okay i tried some online businesses i tried some affiliate marketing i tried some trading but where i kind of fell into and kind of understood from my engineering side i suppose was property so i got into property yeah did my first few deals i found out i was better at raising money than doing my own deals so i just went and raised like two three million pounds for other people um i took a cut of some of those deals bought my first bike um and then when I'd gone off my working visa and I started working for one of the largest hedge funds in the world called SoftBank, um, they invested into like Uber and WeWork and all those massive yeah. companies. And I think I was about the sixth or seventh employee in London. And a year later, there was like 200 of us. Wow. So it was super high growth. You know, there was, you know, carte blanche, just get it done, get it built. And I was responsible for all of the all of the tech and all the cybersecurity part of it. Okay. Still the property business. And by that time, I was starting to dip in and out of crypto as well. Um making content online, you know, the, the security side of it was very easy for me. The wallet side of it was very easy for me. Um, and then when a couple of my co-founders came to me in 20, 2017, I think it was, yeah, I was sitting around a bar um, saying they wanted to take a very large position in crypto in pounds. How do we do it? I said, well, you can't really. There's nothing really good and scalable at the moment. Everything's in US dollars and everything's in euro. And they said, why not? So I have my big mouth and four and a half years later here we are with coinpass.com as a fca registered crypto exchange wow that's what a journey that's insane like it i'm speechless almost because you did so much i'm like wondering like why uk why did you stay in uk it sounded like you had an exciting time in australia yeah it was just an opportunity really i'd kind of you know and this is where you know we're talking the way in and I talk to other people as well, what, what they want to do and what their aspirations, why. And some people want to get rich to like buy that car or buy that house. And the more I've kind of gone through my different careers, I think I'm on my fourth or fifth. I can't really keep track anymore. But the things that my reason why and the things that are important to me now um, are different to what they were when I first moved over here. I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. I've, you know, fly to Germany for the weekend and come back and do Glastonbury and get the last bus back and all that kind of stuff. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. And, I think now in the part of the career that I'm at, I'm, I'm much more focused on um, either building businesses or helping other businesses grow um, through crypto and blockchain and other kind of things. And they don't really revolve around um, cars and property and other stuff. They're more about experiences and, and travel and seeing stuff. Yeah. Because I could, you know, one of my co-founders is in his 50s. And he only bought his first house when he was 52 or something like that. Really? Because you know, he was always on the business side and always building and networking. Okay. So I kind of went through a, f- a few different phases of wanting to travel, wanting to build cool tech, wanting to do all these kind of things in my tech career. And then when it pivoted to, I want to do something for me, 
that's where it started to kind of level up and, and kind of get a bit of scale to it. So okay. I think as long as everyone's got a plan and got a open to a bit of flexibility, anyone can achieve whatever they want. And I think I'm living proof of that. I was yeah. just an engineer from Australia and I was a complete introvert. Never touched a stock, never touched a share. I've never done it. I've never done a single investment before 2014. So that okay. was only eight years ago. Wow. Never had a trading account. What What got you into it? Was it because of the company you're working for? We were you know, a small company, went to a medium company, went to a large company. And maybe it was my visa status or maybe it's because the, the value I added as a, a project manager and as a tech engineer and stuff like that, they didn't want me to move out of that role. So I was making someone else wealthy and I wanted to put my time into doing something for me. Yeah. And that started off in property. Yeah. And then it got into, you know, running a property event once a month. So I ran a property event of 200 people as part of a network every month. So when everyone's like, can you do overtime Thursday night? No, I've got a, I've got a meeting to run. I've got to stand up on stage in a suit and boot and yeah. be the MC and pretend to know what i'm talking about <laughs> pretend but it wasn't so much the figures you make it i just yeah. surrounded myself with people that i wanted to be like yeah and then as soon as i kind of you know it's kind of when we talk about poker as well if you're the if you're the best poker player at the table if you're the smartest or the richest guy in the room you're in the wrong room yeah and so i kind of went through different rooms through different stages and that's allowed me to meet a lot of people to learn a lot of stuff that i didn't know um and to get to where we are today which is you know Middle of a bear market running a crypto exchange. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because you started, and this, this is a question I was wondering, what was going through your head when you decided or you suggested let's start a crypto exchange right after the peak in December 2017? Yeah, yeah. so we, we were November, uh, we launched in 2018, August, right? August 2018. Yeah, yeah it, was it was going we were, bad, we, just going. We were definitely at least two bottles of wine deep. When, <laughs> two bottles Definitely, of wine and we sounded, it sounded like a really great idea at the time. And we thought, you know, it was like a Jeremy Clarkson, you're talking like, how hard can it be? Um, so, you know, we, we, there were no regulations at all back then. So we kind of just pretended like we were a regulated firm. Um, how we do our KYC, how we onboard our customers, what we do in the background. That's kind of our value add that a lot of people don't see, um, which allows us to do our banking in a better way than a lot of other exchanges. We don't have issues with Barclays and NatWest and all those kind of things. Okay. People can move more capital through our platform in the UK than anybody else because of the way we set ourselves up and because we've never put ourselves in hot water doing yeah. anything dodgy or a bad token or any of the other kind of stuff. So yeah. it's been more of a slower burn, um, but we've outlived a lot of other brands that haven't gotten it right. Yeah, um, I think it's a testament to our, our team and the way that we do stuff. Yeah. So it sounds like, because you mentioned um, you didn't onboard other tokens or some, I'm not sure what hype tokens that have gone income i'd have to probably do some research on that but it sounds like you were very diligent in the type yeah, of yeah. cryptos that you wanted to so first, allow users yeah, to yeah. trade so the first year we only had like six assets which sounds okay. really really boring but yeah like bitcoin litecoin xrp ethereum that kind of stuff wow expanded a bit further got to nine ten, and i think now we're still only at about 25 or so yeah but they're the highest li highest liquidity so there's always really good pricing um you know the the wallet support is there for deposits withdrawals with our partner fireblocks yeah um we could offer way more but the pricing might not be as good because just like creating a pair um if it's against usdt or usdc like a crypto crypto pair is very easy to do as soon as you want to pair it with um like pound sterling or euro uh you have other implications there you know you have yeah. to clear it with the regulator you have to clear it with the bank you know, do they want pound sterling going into these kind of tokens? These okay. are the other things we have to consider when putting these type of tokens forward. And we have a full, you know, like a five-page document list for complying tokens. Okay. And we'll be adding a lot more. We want to get to over 100 by kind of this time next year. Okay. Um, but we want to fully match them 
to pounds and euros and kind okay. of do it properly. Yeah. As soon as you start putting FX in the background, it becomes really messy. What do you mean match match pounds to euro? If you can explain so, that yeah, for, so us, you, for us, for so, us beginners. Uh, so when you yeah. when you you know when you trade something, you're yeah. trading from from a token or from a currency yeah. to another. Okay. Um, now, from the user perspective, when you're deposit pounds on a platform, whether it's your trading two on two account or your coin pass account or your Hargrove Lansdowne, you're drawing from pound sterling into something, yeah. into Bitcoin or into Ethereum or into a stock or a share. What some other platforms have done, which really skews the pricing is that you'll trade in pounds, but the real kind of trade pair in the background might be versus US dollars. So really you're going from pounds to US dollars to something else. Right. Okay. And that increases the price okay. for everybody. There might be a bit of what they call slippage in between. Yeah. Uh, for a small trade, 50, 100 pounds, you don't really see that slippage. Yeah. It might be one cent, two cent, three cent. You trade something over like 10 to 50,000 pounds, those spreads start to widen quite savagely. Yeah. And that's where people essentially get ripped off because um, they're not trading in pounds to Bitcoin. They're trading through two other pairs without even knowing. Right. And that's where we've seen uh, a few competitors die and fail for not having competitive pricing, but um, obviously not managing their risk in the yeah. background properly. So because of the way we do our banking, because of the way we do our compliance and risk, uh, and we're able to give those good prices to people because they're trading in the correct token, um, you know, we've got a very high customer satisfaction with what they get. Okay. And when so they buy that token, yeah. they can withdraw it off the platform and do as yeah. they like. We don't okay. handcuff people. Okay. So it's it sounds like you allow people to trade from pounds, obviously, here or in the UK with that. With crypto. the digital asset, whichever one yeah. it is, yeah. Okay, whatever. So They're not having to go through like pounds, go, USD, yeah, Bitcoin, for yeah, example. Yeah, but some of those ones are, are hidden to the okay. user in the background. They might think they're trading pounds, okay, and they'll still get that Bitcoin. There'll, <laughs> be a bit, there'll be a bigger gap in the middle. Yeah. So they might pay an extra. You know, it might not seem like much, like four, five, ten, twenty pounds more. But as soon as you trade over a very high number, like you buy five thousand pounds worth, yeah, you might pay like two hundred pounds in fees, which yeah. adds up really quickly. Why why did you and your co-founders decide to take that approach rather than, you know, like well, the we quick money grabs? Yeah, we wanted, to make, we wanted to make a platform that was going to last. We knew the way that blockchain is, is, is a global technology um, and that's you know, there's a lot of layers to it. But the, pla the, the only way the regulator was going to, you know, put a cap on it or trying to, you know, keep it safe for everybody because the regulator is there to make a market fair. Yeah. And make a market approachable for everybody. So it's not manipulated and it's not this and it's not that. If we build a platform that was going to, you know, stand the test of time, we had to have some sort of regulatory support. So with the FCA, they hadn't had the regulations yet. So let's pretend like we're a regulated platform now. Let's do it the right way and not go for the short term money grab and then disappear in 12 months. Yeah. Because it's going to have our faces on it. And if I'm going to do business in crypto yeah. long term, we need to do something right now and not just yeah. something cheap and nasty. So we took that approach and tried to make proper. You know, pound of Bitcoin pairs, pound of Ethereum pairs, have good pricing, have, you know, fair and competitive fees. We're not the cheapest on the market. That's fine. We're definitely not the most expensive. I think we're like 30, 40% cheaper than Coinbase. Okay. But in that, you know, we still have business costs. Can't do everything for free. Um, we have a compliance team. We have a support team that are there 24-7. Yeah. You know, we've got the security team to make sure everyone's assets are safe. You know, we've got the developers. You know, there's a team of like 40 people in the background that people don't see. Um, and all of those things combined, you know, we're still only charging 30 basis points, which is like 0.3% per yeah. trade. So every hundred pounds, we make 30 P. Yeah. So we're a volume. It's not a lot, is it? No, yeah. it's not a lot. So it's a volume based business. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the ways that businesses scale that way is they run 
promos or they add more tokens and more and more and more and more because you're still a volume-based business. Yeah. Um, how we've kind of curved that is we have a cool product. It's got a cool UI. Um, but the service and support and getting your money back to your bank is something we excel at. Yeah. So we have customers coming back and back and back again and again, all the way from 2018 till now, and they've always been with us. Yeah. And that's something that I'm quite proud of. Wow. That's exceptional. And did you, when, when you first launched it, were you the only sole engineer? No, you build? I, I, I actually inherited, I went from being a cybersecurity engineer to being CEOs. So when I was saying I started a new career, my okay. fourth career is when I started this because we're kind of divvying up the roles. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do this? And kind of all the roles were allocated and it got down with who's going to be CEOs. Oh, shit, it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn about business development and about yeah. sales and about marketing and you know HR and raising capital and cap tables and dealing with investors and all yeah. the all the other stuff no one else wanted to do but it was quite i found it really exciting because it's a new skill yeah you know, like learning new stuff always um but uh you know it allowed the guys that are really really good at their job you know my cto has been in network development and software security and that kind of stuff for his whole career you know 20 something years now my coo was in regulatory and um electronic trading for like 24 yeah. years and he'd been at like goldman sachs and mf global and those really really big companies and he was actually an old client of mine. Yeah. And when I pitched okay. him the idea, he's like, would you like to come on and be an advisor? And he's wow. like, I advise you not to do it. And I said, well, come on and be a co-founder instead. And he's like, okay. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> he's like, there's no regulatory environment. You're going to get crushed, blah, 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 blah. And I said, wow. well, this is what the competitors are doing. And this is what we, we could do. And he's like, okay, no, I think you've got something. Okay, fair enough. You and so I kind of, kind of convinced him, yeah. So he advised wow. us not to do it to begin with. And then I gave him an audio book, gave him a couple of books. And came back to me. look where we are with yeah. crypto and we have uh, i still have in a frame um on my desk at home i've got the original uh little a5 doodle of like what business plan and a dodgy drawing what the infrastructure yeah. would be and then some of the fee gen at the bottom i still got wow. that in the frame from like 2018 with like a wine stain on it and everything wow yeah. that's <laughs> crazy the bottle went on it because yeah <laughs> so as ceo what's been like the favorite and the least part like what's your favorite part of it and what's the part that you've not Fa liked? Most favorite part is definitely product. I mean, yeah. even as a CEO, um, you're driving forward a vision of what my take on the market is. And my take on the market is we are at a turning point in tech and finance. You know, uh, the first time I ever used crypto for a payment was actually I sent capital to myself. Okay. We had a very, very first world problem in Australia. We've had a farm for 25 years. We have a pool on it. And they changed the law saying you have to have a pool vents. And I said, you know, have a toddler because stop kids falling in pools, which I never want to see a kid fall into a pool ever. I never, ever want that to happen. But if a kid can walk across you know, 10 acres of land and fall into a pool, there's a bigger problem than my pool. You know, you've got to dodge like foxes and cows and like kind yeah. of stuff on that land to fall into a pool. So we had to put a pool fence up. My mum's getting towards her 60s. She loves traveling. I said, well, I'm making money now. I want to take care of her. I want to yeah. pay for it. So I needed to send like 10,000 pounds back to, back to Oz to like do it properly. So Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So I'm investing into the property. Barclays was going to take like seven percent, and it was going to take a week. And then an FX provider could do it in two days, but wanted this kind of percentage. And I was like, well, I could send it to myself using Bitcoin in like ten minutes for like thirty p. Why would I waste my time on these clowns? So I actually, you know, using my Australian bank that I still had, I signed to an Australian exchange. I sent the Bitcoin to myself, and I had it in my bank within two hours. Something wow. like that. And I was like. Well, why does why does it still take so long? Why that still you know it's, it's twenty seventeen twenty six. Why does it still take so long? What's the big deal? Um, even investing in regular stocks and shares. Yeah, I did a trade with 
my ISA the other week on my ugly lands now. It took five days to clear 30K worth of trades. I'm like, why? Because it's got to go through this person and check this. This It should just be a trade. Why can't it just be matched? Why has it got so much garbage in between? Yeah. And that's where it's like, well, my vision of the future is, you know, you can have your assets and you can have them self-sovereign. You can take care of it. You can be your own bank. You can move that asset between any platform you want, anywhere, anytime, and you can buy and sell. Or yeah. you can loan it and leverage it and get a yield. And that 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 is what it's going to be. It's going to be like, if I sent you an email, I'm not going to say, did you get my email on SMTP port 25? It's just, it's an email. And now we don't even think the, we think the internet and Wi-Fi are kind of the two, the same thing yeah, because of the yeah. way that it works so seamlessly. Crypto and blockchain are going to be so seamless across everything. Yeah. We're just going to see our ID in our wallet with a thumbprint where it's going to be on blockchain and it's going to be recoverable and immutable and no one's going to be able to take your data and it'd be nice and private, blah, 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 blah. That's what the future of blockchain and crypto and finance will be, but it's going to take time. So from a CEO point of view, having a vision of what I think the market's going to be in five to 10 years, I have to bake that vision into our team, into our culture, into our product, into our marketing. And it is a very specific art you have to kind of master and spin yeah. kind of plates and getting the right bits of information in the right place in the right order. And it's not just as easy as moving a couple of pixels around a screen to build a product. Yeah. But everything that I think the market's going to be is baked into kind of every part of the business. I yeah. think that's the hardest thing. And one of the most enjoyable things to see it kind of come to life. Yeah. We just launched our new platform recently, CoinPass 4.0, because it's our fourth birthday. So it's a very easy wow. marketing campaign. Congratulations. <laughs> what are we going to, what are we going to call it? it was, uh, <laughs> four, call it four. Um, had a different name internally. It was called Project Grogu because yeah. it was like the little Jedi that's going to be the big Jedi. Because um, <laughs> you need that. to call it something. Oh, reference. You had to call it something, right? Yeah. So that's probably the most enjoyable thing. Think, seeing seeing an idea come to life with you know a team of 40 people is a very, very hard thing to do. And we're yeah. a remote first company as yeah. well. So we had an office for the first four or five months when we started out. We used it like four hours a week. Okay. Like we just don't need this. Yeah. It's just we're on Slack. We're so doing pioneers this. in a remote working space. Yeah. So we yeah. did the we did we work on Tottenham Court Road for yeah for about four or five months. Hmm. Uh, we're hardly using it. Um, and then we started hiring people from all over the world, not only for for cost, but also because we were just finding for certain roles, we we're finding better talent overseas. It's yeah. Like, well, why do they have to be here? We do tech. We have video conferencing we have slack we have all this cool stuff why do they have to be sitting here yeah when i could have a super talented yeah. person that's just yeah. as good if not maybe better than what we can afford or what we can source locally yeah we've had some really top guys and some of them are still with us from 2018 as well yeah. um one of our support guys i think he lives in malaysia or is it in, in the philippines i can't remember but he he chooses to work the uk time zone because he's just had a newborn yeah. and he takes the night shift okay his wife works during the day and he works at night and he gets to work at home and he has his kids literally sitting beside him yeah. for eight, 10 hours a day. Wow. He loves it, you know, and he's an absolute star. So that's probably one of the coolest bit. But then on the flip side of that, you know, the hardest part, stuff I don't like, is, you know, the HR side having to find good talent and retain the good talent. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to let people go as well. Yeah. And that's probably one of the least fun things we have to do is when yeah. someone comes on and you set them up and do all the onboarding stuff and, you know, put a lot, pour a lot of your time and your energy and your yeah. passion into it. And they're just not into it. Yeah. Um, and so there's a bit of, you know, one thing I hate is waste. Yeah. So I try to have, I have to, not trying to have any waste in my life. Yeah. Um, and that comes down to time as well. I try not to waste time. And when I put two to three months into someone mm -hmm. and give them absolutely everything I've got yeah. 
and they either don't get it or they want to leave or they yeah. don't get it in that form, that's really, really tough. Yeah. Um, that's the least fun part, I think. Out of How are you dealing with that? Like, because um, I'd imagine, do they have to have like an interest in crypto? Is Do they have to have an interest in the business? What is it that you're looking for for that that shiny so, star? Not really, because we've had engineers come in that have never touched crypto before and they don't deal with the blockchain part of the business. They might deal with the mobile app part of the business, which is the same as building any other mobile app. It's yeah. just the numbers are different. Um, so in the marketing team, you can teach someone about crypto or blockchain on a on a simple level because we're not trying to make it complicated. Yeah. Trying to because on the crux of it, if you want to just buy hundred pounds of Bitcoin, you can do it very easily. You don't have to understand wallets and segwits and miners and all that kind of stuff. You can really get into it and start, you know, go down the rabbit hole and really blow people's minds with what's yeah. possible. Or you can do the simple stuff. So we like to we like to market simple. And people understand basic concepts very early yeah. and then they start to rabbit hole by themselves. Yeah. But sometimes it's just sometimes the pace of this market is not for everybody. Yeah. You know, uh, Twitter's always on fire. Instagram's always on fire. TikTok is ridiculous. Um, making good quality content at speed and just the pace you have to maintain. It's crazy. As a yeah. small team, as a startup team, going against big boys all yeah. the time, uh, you have to have a bit of thirst and hunger to want to move fast. Yeah. And I always say, you know, you can make mistakes and that's fine. I mean, I still make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Um, but I encourage, we encourage the team to kind of fail as fast as possible so you can get to the successful bit. And a lot of people just, they trip one, two, three times and they're not interested in tripping anymore. Yeah. So it's not for everybody. Um, and and that's fine. I don't hold anything against them. If they don't perform, it's it's not for them. Yeah. Or some people just lose interest and they want to move on to something else. Yeah. And, um, you know, crypto is not for everybody. Startups aren't for everybody. Remote only is not for everybody. Some people have come into this saying, I don't want to be in an office anymore. I don't want it from home. And then two months later, they're like, I'm going to go crazy in my flat because I don't have... I don't have anywhere to they have the mental fortitude to you know take that time away yeah i've i had a uh therapy session a coaching session i can't remember um and someone was like how often do you go outside and i went i haven't been outside today when's the last time we went outside and it was two days ago wow because we were just doing this insane push yeah. on a marketing on a marketing campaign and i think i've been outside twice in in two days or something like that yeah and i was like what go outside and look at a tree and i'm like why and they could just go outside and look at a tree and I'm like, okay so i try and go outside and look at a tree every day because trees give off really good yeah. energy and I'm fine. Try it. Um, and so some of that stuff, people aren't really, they think they really want the hundred percent work at home, save cash, don't get on the tube every day. Um, but you need to have those boundaries. Not everyone's dedicated enough or robust enough to have those, those boundaries to be a remote only worker. So yeah. Setting it. It, ta it, ta yeah. it takes a talent to do it. Yeah, definitely. It something, does. I've had, yeah. something I've had to do it myself as well. Cause I yeah. was at, casinos and then data centers and then mayfair and and then going to you know, working at home for five years it's yeah. been a massive massive adjustment it definitely must have been right yeah, a very social setting especially like a casino is oh yeah i mean it's, it's 24 7 yeah. you know you get 50 percent off all my food and drink and i used to finish at midnight and a bunch of guys that would finish their restaurant work the hospitality yeah they'd come to the casino we'd have late dinner a couple of drinks till three in the morning yeah because i was getting up at you know midday every day when i was on my midnight shift yeah um or the uh if i finish my graveyard shifts at eight in the morning there was a bunch of guys that i knew that were either security guys or djs and we'd all go wow. to the gym together or go to the beach in the morning and then go home so you have to have a bit of an adaptability to it not only if you're going to be a startup founder and and start a business and work yeah. from home you have to have 
a very strict routine of when you get up, when you go to bed, when you go outside. Yeah. What are you doing for your fitness? What are you doing for your creativity? You know, what are your actual hobbies? You have to have something. Because I yeah. went down the road, especially in COVID, just 100% work. I need to grind this. I need to make it work. The more hours I put in, the better. You know, following the Elon Musk way of working or the Gary <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Crazy, it's right? It's crazy and it's just it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Something will break and it'll be either your health or your head. Yeah. One of the two. Um, so that's probably the hardest bit. The staff bit, yeah, the culture bit, you've got to pull people through the screen to want to engage. A lot of guys just want to be left alone to code cool stuff and you have to accept that. So it's very dynamic in all of my responsibilities and all the things I have to put my heart and soul into. Yeah. And people, I think, is one of the hardest bits. Not because I'm antisocial, but because you know every single person is different yeah. and you have to take care of your team. Yeah. I'm glad that you said um, that you have to set boundaries. I think you're right. It's, it's definitely very, very important that you set boundaries in your work and life, your personal life, in all aspects of your life. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned, you referenced Elon Musk because a lot of people try to use him as like sort of an example of if you do what he does, you're going to get into success. And I feel like there's so many well, different ways for you to get to success. Five years as well. I mean, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I think, I think it's a bit of give and take. You can be driven and you can be laser focused, but I suppose in that as well, you will, you will run out of, you'll run out of work to do at a high level very quickly. Yeah. Um, you should really be following something like the 80, 20 rule, you know, 80% of your peak performance is going to come from 20% of your time. Yeah. You know, if you're really good at finding deals and leads, just find deals and leads, get someone to do the rest. Yeah. You know, when we did our first investment round, who's going to be your first hire marketing? I went, knew who HR. And we've got the most top gun, amazing HR admin who's been with us from, you know, for the last year and a half or yeah. so. And we wouldn't have built the team we have now without her because I can't do it. I'm not a HR professional. She did our policies and our contracts and everything else, the sourcing, you know, poaching people from other companies on LinkedIn, all that kind of good stuff. That's yeah. not, that's not my skill set. Yeah. Um, so finding the right people for the right job to do the stuff that you're not good at is definitely the first thing you need to do. Even if you're a solopreneur and just having a PA to do some lead gen or take your emails off you or somebody, just pay the right people to do the right thing yeah. and then do what you're really, really good at. That's... I've still got too many hats now. So I really? Could, I could easily use another 10 people on each of the teams and stuff. Okay, to to do what exactly? Uh, probably more on the product development, definitely more on business dev. Okay. Um, you know, having people to report in and, and delegate to yeah. is the only way you can scale. Yeah. You can't build, you know, some of the can build a multi-million pound business on their own and that's great. But at, at what cost? You know, if you don't travel, you don't see your family, you don't see your friends, it's kind of all for naught. And that's something that I, I had to come to grips with a lot during COVID because I'd kind of worked my ass off for a very long time. I was like, cool. But we went from when I, my first job with the tech company and you have to ask permission to go on holiday and you had to somehow afford it in the same period of time. So you have to be very strategic with saving up your money and then asking permission. And then hopefully they can happen at the same time before you book a flight. Uh, and then I was contracting for the hedge fund and I was getting paid by the day and making good coin. And now I can expense all my lifestyle off it. And it was awesome. I loved it. But every day I'm not working, it costs me money. So you go for like three and a half weeks to Canada and it's like, it's not a 5K trip. It's like a 10K trip because that's 5K I'm not earning now. And then I get to this, you know, great part of my life where I've, we've got a team and, you know, the platform's 24-7 and all the onboarding's automated and all the trading's automated and all the stuff and all the great support team and great marketing team and great devs. And I can run the business from Australia. Great. That's something I've always wanted to do is have a, an international business I can run from anywhere in the world. And then COVID hits. Now you can't go home at all because no one can. 
actually you can't even go outside you know that was a really tough thing because yeah. what what if i have a family issue yeah i have a spare credit card with like 15k on it that i never touch in case i have to jump on a plane tomorrow and now i can't even do that it's like well, what am i doing yeah you know what i mean it's crazy yeah so you think the the other part that a lot of people neglect to mention is the mental agility i think you have yeah. to have for any sort of remote working for starting a company from scratch for all the not negative you get but all the stuff you'll inevitably miss out on yeah um if you like going to the pub every thursday or going to a club or something with your mates you got to be willing to give that stuff up yeah or going back to australia whenever you want i can kind of do that now but flights are ridiculous um so yeah i think it's the, that mental agility bit is is something that i'm still i think to this day is still working on yeah it is it is yeah i think even me like you know i'll say i've been what entrepreneur for two years and i've switched a lot and now i'm focusing mostly on the podcast and i do agree there's a lot of there's a lot of emotions evolved yeah. in this business um and it's not really about burying it i think it's about being happy yeah yeah finding yeah. happiness in what you do yeah having a passion for it having a really good peer group around you um you know like i said you're not not being the smartest guy in the room or yeah. the most successful but surrounding your people that are in that same community yeah so when i see my social group here in london um we're talking crypto guys are doing different stuff yeah um actually after this i'm going to dinner with a guy he's i run a centralized exchange that's registered with a regulator yeah and he's hardcore on the decentralized oh really side, okay hardcore privacy anti-government yeah you know all that kind of stuff and we're really really good mates based on blockchain and crypto and everything, okay even we're at complete opposite of the market wow. so it's quite funny wow that's insane and can you take me through your first year like first with year. this year in exchange yeah, yeah. what that was like how you felt was it stressful, not stressful? Yeah, so the first year was, we kind of knew we wanted to do it from December 2017, and I was still at SoftBank. Um, we kind of registered the company first. We put our own money in, which was very woof for a startup. So we did our own money first. It was yeah. all our capital on the table. Hired two developers. You know, I got some credits for Google Cloud and IBM, I think it was. Okay, that was kind yeah. of, got a, I like got the a fact bit, that they do that yeah, to help businesses. Get the startup yeah. credits, yep. Um, I was still at SoftBank at the time. Uh, I got flagged by compliance for my name popping up a company's house without permission. Um, oh, no. That's just fine. They go, what are you doing? Is that blockchain and crypto? They go, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> really? Uh, well, is it because it's not regulated? Well, no, because it was unrelated to any investment they were doing. Okay, so, okay, okay. Cool. Um, you know, they had basically a blacklist and they didn't tell you the companies that were on the blacklist. But if you wanted to make an investment in your ISA or an yeah. investment on a trading platform, yeah. you have to actually clear it with compliance first in case they were like investing in nvidia for whatever reason yeah i would not be able to make an nvidia stock trade or something like that in any platform yeah because there might be insider knowledge that i get from inside the fund so there's yeah. quite strict on what we did yeah and that was a lot of part of my job at softbank yeah. was keeping data in the right place yeah unleaked is- how, how did you navigate that conversation because a lot of people are trying to start their side hustles or businesses whilst they're working for companies i no, I, I am in that position yeah, but yeah, i know no, a lot of people I, get I, nervous say, about that I, I would say um you know keep it to yourself until it's successful <laughs> yeah it's great advice <laughs> because you know you're, you're you're making your employer rich now um and they might they depends who they are might see it as a threat that your time is even split and that's where when i stopped doing overtime at one of my jobs like why are you you're all dressed up on a thursday i said yeah i'm going to an event tonight going to an event meaning i was running the event but they didn't know, they didn't know that and then it was like twice a month they go you go to a lot of these events right yes that they don't need to know anything that i'm investing in property that yeah. i've getting a very crap 
London salary. I raised 1.2 million in, in capital this year, not for any of my deals. I raised it for other people, um, but that they didn't really need to know. Yeah. And I think going from a nine to five job to a side hustle, there's a very big shift in responsibility and it's yeah. not for everybody. But I think if you can replace your nine to five, four hours a day, I think you're doing something right. Yeah. And if you can do that and also have a bit of a team kind of filling you in the background, um, then I would weigh up how long you need to actually quit that nine to five. Yeah. Uh, for some people, I would almost say, if you try the side hustle stuff first, see how you go as a business owner. Because if you're crap with money, you're not going to be good at business. Yeah. Very, very simple. Go be like a contractor first. So you have a limited company, you're a consultant, you have one, two clients, you get way better reward for your time, but now you can also expense a lot of your lifestyle costs. So your phone, your travel, food, whatever you're doing, internet, subscriptions, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Some people can't even bring themselves to pay 15 pounds a month for a subscription for something to run part of the business. Yeah. You need to kind of train yourself into a business mentality first and then you can go and really start to scale it. So I think there's definitely a mindset jump you have to do. Yeah. And basically I wanted to get more greedy with my time and that's why I chose to do stuff out of hours and then weekends and then but the soft paint bit I was doing what two hours in the morning before work. I was doing research or typing emails or contracts during my lunch break and then doing another two hours at night. So I, I thought what's the difference between a nine hour day and a fifteen hour day? Nothing. So first eight months when we were building the platform in twenty eighteen before we went live um was yeah super busy super stressful you know i was doing nine hours a day or something at softbank and then another four to five on the platform wow. um you know random random teams calls and random slack calls and that kind of stuff um and then when we finally launched it you know i think two weeks before we launched it um we knew at least one of us aside from the developers had to be full-time uh, and that was me because they were asking me to go full-time for a while uh, and i kept saying no because i knew i was going to you was going to do this. And when I handed the notice in, they said, what are you going to do? And so I'm going to launch my crypto platform. And they were like, awesome. Tell us how it goes. Because SoftMate was a very yeah. entrepreneur, startup heavy kind of company. Okay. Um, they even let me to, I said, when are you going to raise investment? Um, if we can help you at all, let us know. I said, we can write me a check. And they went, no, we're not going to write you a check. <laughs> but they did let me come back and pitch to the deal team, which is okay. quite cool. And I kind cool. of came back in like four months later. And like the tech guy was like pitching to the deal team and like the biggest baddest boardroom wow. you've ever seen so that was really really intimidating being on the other side of the desk but quite cool to have a little bit of you know um admiration for what i was doing and actually yeah. this guy gave me really good feedback chopped down the deck make this simpler sent me a bunch of examples it was really great to have you know a hundred billion pound hedge fund help you you know critique my pitch deck yeah it was quite amazing yeah. once we launched it um yeah i basically went from i've got four hours a day to do stuff to now i've got the whole day and the whole night and the whole weekend and i found myself slacking off quite a lot because you're like well i've got all this time now i've got heaps of time to do stuff but now you've really got to boil down to what do i need to do now to get users in the door to get the next product launch to get the new feature yeah. you start project managing your time and deliveries and deadlines and schedules and you've got to hit numbers to grow you know yeah. so we were measuring as much as we could and then we boiled it down to what's relevant and um yeah filling that time was hard to begin with but then i think as we kind of got into more you know trying to define the strategy and execute the strategy um actually spending time planning 
that's where it started to really kind of take off a bit, you know, trying to speak at events, trying to do more podcasts, trying to get our, you know, articles out there and trying yeah. to push them properly, get a proper SEO guy on there, get a proper yeah. web guy on there. And that's where it started to kind of self-fulfill and started to snowball a little bit more. Okay. Um, and we didn't fit, the more we kind of did on that, the more we planned and monitored and fed back and kind of built this bit of a feedback loop, we started to become a bit more independent of what the market was doing. So okay. Bitcoin's down, people are still buying and selling. Bitcoin's up, people are still buying and selling. Yeah, and that's kind of, what you want. Yeah, right? that's what yeah. you want. As soon as you're kind of at, at the mercy of the market, um, that's where you're at risk of falling over. Yeah. Um, you know, from your, it was your last podcast or two podcasts you had the um, property guy. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of my mates at the moment, they have to turn their phone off because they've got too many inquiries for rooms wow. up in up in up in the Midlands. So they have HMOs, you've got seven or eight HMOs. You have thirty five phone calls in a day about like two rooms and all that. Mortgage companies are more than happy to give mortgages out, but they're not taking new applications because they can't process them fast enough. So it's like, well, is there not enough clearly there's not enough property because we're on an island and you can't make an island bigger. Yeah. Um <laughs> But there's clearly a housing shortage of one of my mates who's not, you know, a big property agency. He's not a lady. He's, he's a solo guy outside of Birmingham in a, a suburb outside of Birmingham. He's got seven properties. He gets 35 phone calls in a day, about two rooms. Like, wow, there's a very heated market. Yeah. And I think if as soon as that cools down again, you know, two years ago, he was struggling to fill rooms. So wherever the kind of equilibrium in the middle, if you can run a business that's scalable that has clients coming in the door that you can build a wait list and you can kind of be market agnostic yeah then you'll do really really well yeah. and it's taken us time to do that with such big competition in crypto um but if, if really depends on how you differentiate yourself i suppose yeah how, how do you feel about your competition are you intimidated by them i guess coinbase coinbase have been around for a while yeah, coinbase is kind of the og they're like yeah. 2014 yeah um everyone We've got a good platform. They're massive. Everyone loves to hate them. Yeah. Which kind of works for us. Um, support's absolute garbage and the fees are huge. Yeah. Um, so they kind of get the the lazy investor that kind of just goes with what someone told them to do. Um, then you've got uh not so much in the UK, there's a couple of smaller guys in the UK than us. Um, but where I think the market's different from 2018 to where it is now is we have to be a global business, not a UK yeah. business. So we do what thirty six countries or something like that, you know, UK and Europe and a couple of colonies, um, but we don't do Australia, we don't do Asia, we don't do America, da da da. And you got your Binance's and your Krakens and your, you know, they're massive, massive yeah. exchanges that have done like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of fundraising. We haven't done that. Yeah, we okay. haven't had the scale or the time or you know, this, this, this. And we, you know, for for a long while when we we, we were going to fundraise and then we didn't do it and we just built made revenue and as we made more revenue we hired more people so we did it kind of the small business way and every time we go to raise money it was you're too small or how are you possibly going to compete and they say no and then a year later we're still here so okay you know, we can kill we, we still self-fulfill and we're still here yeah because of how we do stuff differently yeah um we don't charge the cheapest fees we're definitely not the most expensive yeah but people get a response from a dm within like five yeah. minutes they get a response from an email within 30 minutes and other platforms just can't match that yeah. because I came from a service-oriented background from the casino to the data center to everything else. It's always been yeah. service and speed and I think in this day and age, if you don't get a reply in a few minutes, people just get really nervous about what they're doing and crypto is one of those such new things. Yeah, There's not enough people in crypto. There's too many bots. 
<laughs> There's too many bots. Yeah. And actually talking about bots, right? Um, I think one thing in crypto that a lot gets um, quite a few people concerned is hacks being hacked. Um, so I've got two questions for you. How do you, I know it's difficult. To, it might be a difficult answer. How do you ensure that you protect your customers as much as you can? And also I read an article about you being targeted as well. If you want to talk us through how that happened. I got target, what, the company or me? No, you. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, um, yeah, the customer assets bit. So um, if you talk about the crypto side, like keeping users' crypto assets safe. So people that leave capital on the platform, it's completely safe. We work with um, a wallet infrastructure partner called Fireblocks. Okay. One of the largest um, wallet infrastructure platforms in the world. Uh, Crazy secure, the way the keys are broken down and stuff like that. Um, You know, I don't have access to anything. Our ops team have access to only a certain level. And um, the one thing we did differently um, to other platforms is how other platforms have been hacked. You know, everyone from Binance, Crypto.com, all of them had major, major, major leaks because they yeah. automate every outbound transfer regardless of the size. And that's super dangerous. Yeah. Um, so you make a withdrawal request in our system. It actually has to pass through a person. So a person sees the transaction, sees where it's going, match, match, and they, we actually have a, a biometric process. And also maliciously, our operations team can't clear certain size transactions without oversight. So we don't have a junior malicious rogue person that can just withdraw everyone's crypto. They actually, they can't do it. It's as simple as that. We've got air gaps in our uh, security processes that just don't allow it. And that's a lot of stuff I took out when I was at the casino. We worked in an IT lab. It was three falls underground. Um, The server rack is this wide. And guess how wide the doors are? They're this wide. (laughs) So you physically can't get the racks out the door. You know, uh, the you want to move anything on, you know, those concierge trolleys that you have in a hotel. Um, those trolleys are, uh, are this wide. And, and guess what? The last frame of the hallway, it's this wide. So the trolleys don't even fit down the hallway of our IT office. So we had this really old school way of air gapping stuff. You literally just couldn't get between A and B without being seen or getting through a so I kind of try to copy that mentality a bit. Like, how do you build an air gap that it doesn't matter how much tech there is, they're physically not connected. Yeah. Has to go through a thing or a stuff for crypto to move around. Yeah. Um, so we implemented that very, very early in our journey. Um, and um that was something that so that's always been a prime concern. We always get asked about it. Okay. Um some other platforms have their own proprietary wallet system, and that's great. It's kind of a black box because how can you say that their system's better than Coinbase's or Kraken's or anyone else's. So uh, we chose to go with the leading provider. Uh, They're not cheap, but it's really, really cool tech and it's super secure. And more to the point, even I don't have access to it, which lets me sleep at night. I like sleeping. Sleeping's cool. Yeah, because if anything happens, no, 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 you just can't. No, 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 you just can't. It's not even worth it. But on the personal side as well, like um, we had a, uh, um, who was it? Who got, who got, who had a data leak? Uh, we were trialing, we were trialing HubSpot at the time, um, and it turns out that a lot of crypto companies are using HubSpot. Now they had a data leak from one of their business devs that were looking after like blockchain. HubSpot, that's yeah. a massive. Yeah, no, it was from company, uh, you, isn't it? Yeah, you can go back and read it. It was something like one of their sales guys um, got a phishing email or something like that that looked like it was from one of his clients, and that one guy or his team looked after like blockchain.com and crypto.com and like ten other companies, and being CEO of a crypto company, my name's on so many lists, it's ridiculous, Um, was, um, uh, we got an email, it was pretty decently worded, 
uh, said, we've got all your customer data, we're going to leak it and blah, blah, blah. They actually just threatened you straight away. Oh, straight out of the, you know, <laughs> they didn't even, out of the game. They weren't even trying to like no, fish no, around, no, 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 no. just straight, like threaten you. Wow. Straight out of the gate. And the, the, the trouble was the timing was impeccable because we were doing a... Um, we we're doing a blind security audit at the time. So basically work with this company. We work with a different company every year to do security audits and penetration testing, all that kind of stuff. And there's a period of time where you engage with them and then they go basically radio silent for two weeks. You can't contact them. Like, is this one of them? I don't know. And uh, so we did our own investigation, literally couldn't find anything. And we we're like, cool, just ignore it. And we got another email and another email. And then uh, I was getting like 60 calls a day from different VoIP numbers all over the world. I think it was just like some automated Amazon yeah. service. So I was like, okay. Uh, they were trying to access my Instagram, my Twitter, my personal email, an email address I forgot I had. Um, wow. Uh, what else? They sent me a text message, which was supposed to look like um, the front gate of my old flat in Battersea, but they'd obviously just done um, Google images. And it's like, no, and literally like an, a, a text message, nice house, bro, with like a, with like a picture and I'm like, well, it's obviously Google Maps, NB, I don't live there anymore. Um, so no, it was- <laughs> This is getting crazy. I know, and then I asked my CTO, I was like, okay, where did these two bits of information, they're not on my LinkedIn, they're not anywhere, where did he get it from? And he found that info within like 15 seconds. Okay, fine, so it's findable. Okay, great. So I went through this huge purge, like very impersonal, very self-attacking, you know, um, crossed a lot of lines, but you know, and this is where I had to build a lot of, emotional stability because there are people out there that just want money that just may not it might not even want money they just want to ruin your life yeah um and i went completely off social media changed my phone number changed every password i ever had and luckily nothing happened unless you got bored and walked away um but it was a very a very taxing like four weeks yeah where i socially regressed quite a lot um and socially isolated quite a lot because we didn't know where this was coming from. Was it a bit of a trick? Was it a blah, 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 blah. Um, and then finally security auditors and edit, uh, answer our email. They go, no, it's not us. Cool. Thank you. But um, no, it was, it was horrible. That is, yeah. That, yeah. that must have been like so crazy yeah. and so intense. Literally every day you're just getting bombarded. Emails yeah. I mean, there were calls from yeah, random you could, people. You, yeah. I mean, there were like, you know, Papua New Guinea and Norway and North America and China and all these, you know, just numbers from all over the place. Um, and getting like, you know, little prompts at two in the morning, you know, resetting your Twitter password and, and yeah. accessing your Gmail and your Spotify account and like all this just garbage you don't need as a distraction. That is crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's made me really think about my own digital footprint quite a lot. Um, what I need, what I don't need, what emails I use, what I don't use, um, what you share and what you do online. Yeah. Um, I've had my Instagram profile impersonated twice, I think uh where someone downloaded like two years of history and then reposted everything it's photos like me and my mum and stuff so yeah really yeah the instagram is really um really bad for that right yeah. now like i've been i've been impersonated two yeah, three yeah. times some of my oh, colleagues have as well followers. you got more than me oh, yeah, yeah i know <laughs> but yeah. someone will actually pay to invest yeah. money to have a huge amount of followers yeah. to try and replicate a profile That's yeah and they're using your reputation to get yeah. money so from I've, people. I've yeah you know been photo picture me in this hoodie yeah. on a website promoting a wallet or some of that. I'm like, no, that's insane. Um, but yeah, no, it kind of happens. And I think you know you can take it as a complete you know abuse of your privacy and your brand or anything like that, or you can laugh it off and call it like achievement unlocked. I've gotten to a level where people want to impersonate me, so yeah. um, it comes and swings and hits. You've got to you've got to have a bit of a thick skin of it. Yeah, I think you've got to almost have like a 
online, not disposable, but like an online personality that you're, you know, kind of happy with and you've got to have a, a layer of privacy that nobody knows about. Yeah. Um, whether it's email, whether it's phone, whether it's WhatsApp or separate work, separate personal, you have to take that shit seriously. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's like a no joke in this day and age. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's crazy. Like how people can find your information and just yeah pull it together. But it seems as like we're talking on the way in, you know, do I wear the hoodie everywhere? It's like, well, depends. Yeah. I don't tell anyone in public that I do stuff in crypto because I don't know who's listening. It's true. Yeah. I've, it's I've heard true. of people getting, um, you might have heard of this really, really sinister. I don't really want to talk about this on podcast. Someone got his, um, spiked at a, um, was overheard talking about crypto at a, at a pub or a club or something like that. Mm-hmm. Had his drink spiked and then they used the face ID in his phone to unlock his phone, stole like 50 grand in crypto out of his Coinbase. And he was, that's too far. Wow. Because it's not even pinned anymore. Everyone just uses Yeah, you can just use your face. face. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So it was like wow. in like in the in the crashed out in a cubicle after being essentially roofied and had like fifty grand of crypto. That's crazy. Yeah. Because all of his wallets all of crazy. Yeah. So don't use your face ID and don't use your thumb. Use an old school pin. Okay. I might go back to That's pin. Top oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I've seen the meme of it or something like a, a yeah. girlfriend going through his um Yeah. You can just, yeah like that, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so the face Crazy. ID, as cool as it is, uh, it don't don't use it. Old school, wow. old school pin. Don't let anyone touch your phone. Have a separate phone. Have separate two FA. Have an email address that's only for crypto and online yeah. banking. Um, stuff like that. It's it it seems over the top, but trust me, it's not. Yeah. Not when it's it's that intense. Yeah. For a while, and it's yeah. getting it's just increasing. Yeah, because um, like, well, okay, we're at this point. Like, okay, do we have to divulge this to regulators? You know, yeah. that I'm personally under attack, or is it just a bunch of meme? You know. Yeah, it's hard, right? I think I don't SMSs think were even branded. It was like from Red Team. Like it's not even a random number. It's actually like branded as like an SMS gateway. Like, oh my god, serious! Like, wow, they're yeah. very serious. Yeah, um, no, it's scary. Sorry to like derail and like really lower the tone from. No, 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 it's fine. I the, think it's important. It's important. I mean, I, I'd even say if you're you know just investing as part of your portfolio yeah. and you're into crypto and you like Bitcoin, or you like ETH, or you like DeFi. Uh, Keep it keep it personal. Yeah. Don't be don't talking, tell, yeah, don't don't be tell. talking about your portfolio yeah. on, on Instagram. Don't be talking about it on um on social media and stuff. Talk about the topic. Never divulge on how much you're spending, where you're doing it, etc. You're just laying the groundwork to get attacked. Yeah. And you don't have to be a very attractive target. If you can make yourself a an unattractive target or a boring target, you'll never get targeted. Yeah. As soon as you're loud about it, you'll have that many people attempting to yeah, get a hold of your stuff. You. Yeah. Cause you've yeah. got a, a global, you're literally talking to a global audience these days and crypto yeah. is global, whether you know it or not. It is. Yeah. yeah. Talking about crypto, how do you feel about the market right now? It's not in its best no, state. I, mean, I don't think any moment. market's in a good state right yeah, now. No, so, no, I think, I think apart from property, property seems to be holding yeah, up a little not bit. making enough of it. It's a, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, um, uh, what is it? Undervalued asset. Cause not making more land and they're not making more property. Um, no, I think it's shown really recently how correlated it is with America's stock market, UK stock market. Yeah. There's been a really sharp decline down and Bitcoin is one of those things. And I think at the moment, as part of a lot of investors' portfolios, crypto is kind of like, it's kind of like the jet ski. What happens when you, you know, lose your job or lose whatever and you have a house and all these toys, you start selling all the toys first and the jet ski is the first thing to go. So the the pointy part of the portfolio, they're the highly leveraged part or the you know the one percent of your portfolio that is high risk and really volatile those assets go first which is crypto um on the flip side of that people are seeing huge discounts and are buying at a discount or buying the dip 
people that were trading it really aggressively are taking a bit more um uh a bit more of a slower approach so instead of trading thousand pounds up and down every other time they're buying 100 quid a week because they're dollar cost averaging nice and simple so the market's still really active um while prices are down but prices are down on everything right now us dollars on a tear this is the first time we've had a market in crypto that's gone through a huge inflationary period you know what is it, 18 percent here in the uk at the moment uh there's a war on i don't remember a bitcoin market when there was a war on before yeah so there's a lot of these external macro factors that are affecting the market a lot i mean we've been in a downward market since november last year yeah um and these downward spirals and these bear markets tend to last between 12 and 13 months yeah so by november december this year you know, fingers crossed not financial advice um we we might start to come out the back of it yeah. using 2011 2014 2017 as an example um we should we should see some some brighter future out of it hopefully pretty soon yeah um but at the same time the glass half full side of it is that more in the bottom of a, of a, of a, of a bear market or a crypto winter like this more markets start looking at infrastructure or crypto infrastructure or crypto payment rails as an opportunity to expand their business because like well it's down not many people looking at it what's the opportunity does it work can we trial it um and you start to get interests of different pockets of different sectors of businesses so we've started talking with law firms we've started talking okay. with accountancy firms we're talking with a massive property firm here in the uk that they just want to start taking their fees in crypto for the you know when you pay your estate agent one yeah. percent for selling your property and stuff like that because they have a lot of investors that have property and crypto and they go well can i pay for my uh, they're making a bunch of yield on usdc or usdt and they go can i pay my fees in stablecoin they go well i don't know so i get a call saying can we do this i'm like yeah sure sign up an account it takes two hours yeah and they go well okay what about if we wanted to list the property for bitcoin i said yeah you can do that who's are they going to pay for it in cash or crypto and and now they're like well mm -hmm. what else can we do and they their mind starts doing this and i'm just like well okay let's just get an account signed up let's do let's do a plan for you let's you know interesting and they're not even really worried about the volatility bit because they can just build that into a process or they can find the right buyer and the right seller um but more people are interested in using crypto as a peer-to-peer -peer payment system yeah as an additional fiat rail sorry as an additional payment rail um because banking is too slow yeah even in 2022 banking is too slow wow um there's a law firm here they represent like 150 crypto funds in the british virgin islands they have offices here the offices in munich offices in new york um and purely that all these crypto funds want to pay for their fees in crypto we just yeah. want the we want the facility because if we don't take their if we don't keep their business they'll go somewhere else so now we're helping we're helping businesses retain their client base and level up yeah the way that they do business in a completely yeah. legitimate way yeah there's nothing illegal about it there's no money laundering it's a faster way of dealing with clients from all over the world yeah because you can take a payment in any domination in two minutes yeah from any client anywhere wow and it's not like did you get my bank transfer it's like show me the transaction id yeah my deposit no, we get this on our support desk all the time my bitcoin deposit hasn't landed sends a transaction id it's stuck in the mempool or the place they're sending it from hasn't released it yet so we don't we don't even have to challenge them on it you yeah. can see the transaction in real time and yeah. it's immutable no one can ever mess with it yeah and that's kind of the beauty of it wow a lot of these companies can see these payments in real time they know exactly where it's coming from they can do all the due diligence they want 
They can see how if the wallet's clean, if it's dirty, if it's ever touched a scam, if it's ever all that kind of stuff is very easy to see in real time, and we help them do that. And that is the beauty of crypto. Where where do you think the the future of it is? Future of it is is when it's like your Apple iPhone, and yeah. you you don't have to know all the technical bits underneath it. It just works. Yeah, and that's going to be from messages that we send, from having your your digital ID available across. You know, like at the moment. You can have um, uh, like Spotify works in every single device anywhere and it's just seamless, right? Yeah. Your ID or your debit card or your whatever you use for payments will be usable in every single app. Regardless who built it, it's just going to be a standard. Yeah. Uh, a single form of ID, a single type of debit card, a single type of payment rail, a single wallet with every asset you own, every token you own, pound, sterling, euros us dollars everything's going to be in one place and it's going to look like an apple iWallet or something yeah. like that that's where the ux level is going to be yeah on the back side of that there'll be this kind of permissioned system where you own your funds they're not locked in a starling account or a monzo account that can be frozen at any time your assets are going to be belonging to you and no one can touch them no one can take them and you'll be able to represent your net worth in real time okay um i was trying to go for a mortgage last year and then they go oh any proceeds from crypto they won't accept and i like, well that sucks why really yeah and i okay we'll define proceeds um so there will be there, there will be a a time and place where crypto is more highly accepted than it is right now but i also see you know and this has already happened in the united states which is probably the most amazing example i've, I've seen of bitcoin use is I had this question on Twitter today. Is like, will you sell your Bitcoin when you get to 100 grand? I went, no. Why would you, A, create a massive capital gain and tax problem, but there are already platforms out there where you can use crypto as collateral to get credit to invest in other assets. So you could basically, I think it was a property firm in Miami and it was minimum 250,000. So you had to have 250,000 worth of Bitcoin. That would give you a 100% mortgage over 30 years. And the Bitcoin is held in an escrow where you have one key, the property business that issues the mortgage has one key and the solicitor has one key. So you have to have all three keys together to move the crypto. So you deposit 250 grand with the Bitcoin at the current price, they issue you a 100% mortgage for a property and you just pay the mortgage down. That's 100%, not a 5% deposit, you're basically 100% collateralized and you can get a full condo worth whatever it is right you just got to pay for the pay you pay the mortgage down over yeah. 30 years so if you're holding crypto now and you're a long-term investor what i foresee is that because of its inherent properties whether it's bitcoin ethereum or whatever it's going to be the fact that it can see where it's come from you can see the history of it it has intrinsic value because of its proof of work and everything else um you'll be able to collateralize that crypto asset into some sort of vehicle or into some sort of um, um, into some sort of product to attain other assets or to attain credit or to buy art or lease a car or buy a property or fund a business. Yeah, you know, you'll be able to use it as a, as a, as the hardest form of money because yeah. there's not enough to go around. Yeah, there are over twenty five million millionaires in the world. <laughs> there's only twenty one million Bitcoin, and eighteen point nine million of them are yeah. already accounted for. Yeah. There is not enough to go around. No, there isn't. There yeah. isn't. So use that pure thing alone. This is what I challenge people: is like, just buy a hundred pounds, just try it once, understand what a wallet is, move a bit of Bitcoin from here to here, 
pay the damn fee and just understand if you do that you will be part of the next one two percent of wealth in 10 years time yeah if you take it seriously and if you don't treat it like a hobby yeah you treat it like a hobby you get hobby results you treat it like a business or like part of your portfolio you can grow it and understand it it's yeah. not rocket science and do you think bitcoin will still reign supreme in the future i think it will for the for quite a long time yeah it's it's got the longest track record yeah you know it's got over what 11 12 years now it's probably yeah. 12 years it's got a 99.999 percent uptime um other blockchains have got up and downs and they've got lots of developers and foundations and this 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 it's the one that's been out there the longest and has survived there's a purely decentralized um hardest form of money it was coded 12 years ago and it still hasn't been kind of broken you know it like people have spent a considerable amount of time and money trying to break it and it hasn't happened miners have popped up in china um you know created these massive pools of ascii miners to run the network and then they get shut down and they move somewhere else so the network is constantly being added to and constantly subtracted but it doesn't go down and that's actually quite a amazing feat when you think about it it's not based on amazon it's not based in google these are hardware facilities running off power off big infrastructure big investment and the network still doesn't go down yeah you know it doesn't matter how much government intervention there is it cannot be taken offline and it cannot be changed and forked and everything because you cannot control more than 50 percent of the network it's i don't know what's let's not say physically but it would be financially impossible to try and outmine the rest of the network to try and gain control yeah yeah it's wow. it's and it's kind of a really interesting feat where you know, even the US government can't topple it. Russia can't topple it. China can't topple it. It's still around and now people want it. Yeah, people want it. It's, it's yeah, Bitcoin's been on an amazing journey. And in that time, obviously we've had Ethereum, we've had NFTs. What are your thoughts on on NFTs? Concept, amazing. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't even know what an NFT was until like you know, 12, 18 months ago. Um, I actually thought when I sold my super bike back in twenty. 1920 i can't remember um and i thought oh why don't i just tokenize it and i'll sell the token to someone and i just sell it to someone on facebook it was easier um no the concept of a non-fungible token to represent something that's probably what all of our documentation will be in the future your rental agreement your ticket to a show um collectibles the you know the rfid for an official yeah. pair of nike all that stuff will be some form of token and being a non-fungible token, a one of one, a one of 10, a one of a thousand, um, it is probably the next form of how we digitize assets, how we represent them. I've seen some amazing examples of NFTs that are so cool and so slick. And then we've got digital rocks, JPEGs worth 2 million. That's not a good example. <laughs> Big shout out to the the Blacks Club here in London. Yeah. Um, they took over um, a club in, in, in Soho. Um, if you're around, I'll take you there one day. Yeah. And um, it's actually it was an event Friday night, actually. Okay. Um, and um, to they had the opportunity to take over the lease and everything. So they wanted to to fundraise taking yeah. over this lease and make it a bit of a crypto den. And it's like three stories high. It's awesomely laid out. And they go, well, we'll sell memberships like London club memberships are everywhere. But they go, we'll send a, sell a lifetime membership as an NFT. There won't be a list on the door. And da da da. Whoever holds the NFT gets access. So it's a membership. NFT is a membership. Great idea. Um, say I go out of the country for six months. I can send you my NFT and you can use a club membership. Or I could sell on OpenSea or I could list yeah. all that. It's the ownership. It's, it's, a, it's a club membership as a digital token. Works perfectly. Yeah. 
I've seen another example on a platform up in Manchester and it's for artwork pieces, but real life artwork pieces. So the, the artist will do one painting, take a photo of it, and he'll issue 25 NFTs. Every time an NFT bought is bought, he'll paint that one identity. So he basically does 25 originals and each original is tied to an NFT and that's how he just pre-funds all of his work. He sells 25 NFTs and he paints the same thing 25 times over two months. Wow. And so he makes a living. So he uses it as a um, generation, a lead generation and a distribution platform because he sells 25 NFTs for £1,500 each, but they're getting an original piece of work from a very well-known artist and that's how he, that's how he makes his money. Okay. And he sells the Ethereum back into pounds and he, that's how he runs his life. Wow. And those, he's getting customers that he never had before. Sells it to gallery. Someone's like, well, can I buy it and show it off? And this is now the gallery has proof of ownership. Someone buys from the gallery, they get the NFT as well. Yeah. Um, so it's a digital representation. Digital representation of real world assets is going to be the main key factor. Yeah. Um, and it will avoid all that kind of crap that went down in France when Liverpool played down there. And there's like all these fake tickets and what... Was it one? Imagine you could just was scan it, it as NFT. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, how do you? I mean, I don't know what a Liverpool and France and Paris ticket looks like. I mean, it's just how, the paper ticket. It's a bit yeah, of paper, but how, how do you, how do you know it's genuine? The scal the people there was scalpers in front of the stadium yeah. selling forgeries. Yeah. And people just they would know. You can't tell, right? You yeah. Just, so really good. You're not yeah. an expert. In no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I've been to four football games in twelve yeah. years. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I go with someone else that knows yeah. better than me. But having, you know, it's digital. I can see who issued it. It goes back to a smart contract. The smart contract's been audited. Give it a Twitter green tick if you want to. Yeah. I don't, but that's what I think. Our, you know, tickets and documentation and you know connections to real world. That that's how they'll be tracked. Yeah. And you can issue wow. them in digital and digitally um, issue them for pretty much nothing, especially after this Ethereum merge. It's going to happen pretty yeah. soon as well. It's going to become more scalable, easier to distribute. Wallets are going to get better. UX is going to get better. Security is going to get better. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll just be you have all your tickets on your phone because there is no alternative. Yeah, There is no paper tickets anymore. And if you lose access to it, you can restore it with your retina or your yeah. thumbprint or whatever. It's just the UI hasn't caught up enough. Yeah. To make it easier it's still very a bit tech centric and a bit nerdy yeah yeah i can't wait to, to see what that world uh looks like I'm, I'm such a futurist when it comes to things like that i think i do agree with nfts i think there are some uh there's good and bad real world examples. uses yeah, yeah there's good and bad examples yeah. now there was a bubble we could all see the bubble coming yeah it's fine yeah i had a shower replaced in my flat and you know i was unfortunately wearing this hoodie i shouldn't have been security all that kind of bit and he's like oh coin i don't know that exchange like, oh okay um and then my, my the plumber started pitching me his nft project i'm like yeah peak bubble bro yeah when the when the plumber is fit, he's like yeah it's gonna be called toxic zombies we're gonna do ten thousand artworks i'm like wow good oh for you gosh, yeah good for you it's like when the um when the taxi driver's pitching yeah. my co that's when it's time again yeah out. yeah it's time, <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah i was like yeah oh, tell me more he's like give me a website and he's like oh wow wow he's your twitter following oh god Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, everybody's just trying to make a quick buck. Yeah. Um. So if if a beginner wants to, they're hearing this, they say, "Okay, it's great. I want to get into crypto. I've, I've been scared to get into crypto, but now I want to get into it." What What tips would you give them? Start small and have a thirst for learning. It's not. It's it's portrayed as really complex. Yeah. But you need to boil it down. Um. Start with the you know, uh, call it your gamble money, call it your party money, call it whatever you want, but. Don't never invest more than you're willing to lose. Yeah. You know, whether you send it to a bad address uh, or you pay too much for a fee or you buy it and the price goes down, you need to be 
emotionless about it. You need yeah. to treat it like a business. Yeah. Um, and I would say, you know, if you can afford to get one or two coffees a month or go out to dinner a few times a month, you can afford to buy a hundred pounds of Bitcoin. Uh, I say a hundred pounds because when it's like 10, five, 50, you kind of don't care. Nice, even round number, like a hundred, everyone can do that. Um, using a platform in your host country. So if you're in the UK, you can use us. If you're in Europe, there's plenty to choose from. Um, but your bank will not give you a hard time if you're not sending pounds like offshore. So if you use a platform in Europe and you're based in the UK, the bank for that platform might be in Lithuania or in Latvia or wherever. As soon as you start sending pounds offshore, your bank will not have a problem with it, but you might get questioned or yeah. is this a scam or blah, blah. Use something that's registered in your country, you won't have a problem. So don't worry about your bank account being blown up. It won't happen. Yeah. Um, buy that first 100 quid, uh, either leave it in the platform and watch the price go up and down a little bit. Um, don't check it every single hour. It's not going to happen. You're not going to become a millionaire overnight. Um, and then even you know, send it to another platform or send it to your your wallet on your phone or you know understand how to use that QR code for a wallet address. Understand what the wallet address actually means yeah. in sending and receiving stuff back and forth. It's not expensive to send crypto between wallets, but just build that understanding and that knowledge. Yeah. What I say, you know, one of our marketing campaigns is get crypto confident. Yeah. You know, get confident in crypto, get confident in, you know, what a blockchain is, but you don't need to be a developer. Yeah. You don't need to understand every segwit and every one and zero. That's not what it's about. It's about having part of your financial freedom outside of the existing financial system and onto the new Web3 financial system. I found it quite invigorating holding my ledger around my around my collar, around yeah. my around my um, neck when I passed through uh, San Francisco on the way to Australia. Um, and you had to fill out the little import cards. Are you yeah. carrying more than ten thousand US dollars? I'm like dollars? No. <laughs> Crypto undefined. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And they could probably they they can take that device off me if they want to do. They can't open it. Yeah. I'm not going to give them the pin. Yeah. They can't transact on it. That crypto is locked on that private wallet, and I'm the only one that can unlock it. Yeah. yeah no bank can take it off me. No government can take it off me. No one can brute force attack the wallet address and try and take the funds out. Those are locked. And I'm self-sovereign with my wealth yeah. and I can take that anywhere with me yeah. 24 hours a day. It's epic. And it's, you know, and you start thinking about that. I had a really awkward conversation at a networking event and I said, where I'm from, blah, blah, blah. We started talking and she didn't, you know, explain Bitcoin to me in two minutes yeah. and this is this. And she said the same thing. You know, what do you think, you know, the stock market's going to be in like 10 years time? Is it, it's going to be, you know, you'll be able to move any, what is it? You'll be able to move any stock and share to any platform anywhere in the world. At the moment, you, you want to move your stocks and shares from your Hargrove lands down to your Ameritrade account or whatever it is. You can't do that. Yeah. You have to sell it into pounds. You have to take it to your bank account. You have to realize all your gains. You have to pay tax on it. Then you can open them up over here. Some some pension funds might move them in between, but very rarely. Um, whereas I can buy Bitcoin and I can move it to any number of 300 exchanges anywhere in the world and I can trade them against any other asset I want um, in real time, 24 hours a day. So the current stock market system is going to die and it's going to be replaced with a <laughs> blockchain system. And tell me, so what do you do? So I work at the London Stock Exchange. I'm like, <laughs> I kind of put my foot in my mouth a little bit. But she was cool. No, but she, she was like kind of blowing the light. Yeah. So wait, wait. You can move digital value and you can move a store of value anywhere in the world in like under 10 minutes or five minutes. She didn't know like, that. Yeah. No, she didn't know. Wow. Like, and she goes, but that must be expensive. It's like, oh, 5, 10, 15p. It's like, what if it's like 50 million? I'm like, yeah, you're just using the network. Yeah. doesn't matter how much, it's not based on 
basis points or percentages you pay to use the network if the wow. network's clogged up yeah you might want to pay a higher fee if you're happy for it to happen in 20 minutes or tomorrow you could pay a very tiny fee and that's where you see these cool tweet posts like someone moved you know 100 million worth of bitcoin for yeah. five cents wow you know, and it, you're just using the network if you're using something like google or your bank and it's free just because you're the product they use your money or your data for some way to monetize it you pay to use a, bl a blockchain network on ethereum on bitcoin you pay the fee to use it it's a decentralized network it's a it's pay to play yeah. and i think having that bit of a mindset i will pay a, a dollar to move these assets from a to b yeah because i don't need a bank and i can do it in my time and i can choose how fast i want it to get there yeah. and the assets are mine at all times that's yeah. very you know liberating for a lot of people yeah especially in places in different parts of the world where they don't have any banking you know super 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 um important and yeah you're you're absolutely right the places where i guess they're calling them unbanked right right now i was unbanked um, when i came to london yeah yeah it took me two months to open a bank account here yeah i was it's, pulling it's money tough, out of the yeah. atm using my aussie card i got absolutely ripped yeah because i couldn't prove where i lived because i didn't yeah. have a tenancy agreement didn't have a tenancy agreement because i didn't have a bank account couldn't get a bank account because there was just this repetitive there's cycle. a lot yeah so yeah it's I, crazy from australia it's like we we have like fridges and electricity there and i can't have you know i, I couldn't prove anything it was horrible it's pulling cash out via credit card because i was living on cash for two months and this is in london in one of the financial centers of the world yeah. how how bad is it here versus other parts of like in asia and, yeah. and africa and parts of south america yeah they've got smartphones and 4g towers and yeah. all this great stuff and they are choosing crypto by default now yeah. because it's better and easier and fair yeah all the Most stuff that happened yeah. in like um uh was it argent no uh, petro was it argentina with the oil petro bit uh, yeah yeah, I, yeah yeah i'm trying to remember which one it was um, yeah and they were using uh dash litecoin and bitcoin because the dot their, their local currency was devaluing so fast and they couldn't get us dollars in the black market so everyone just reverted to crypto because everyone had a smartphone everyone could download a free wallet and you could transact with anyone peer-to-peer -peer in a minute it's crazy how do you compete with that you no, can't it's compete, tough. you it's cannot tough compete with that. it so yeah. the, the the old world is going to get a systemic shock when more people start choosing crypto over the others and there was this big debate in 2017 when all the icos out oh it's a blockchain that's faster than visa or faster than this and blah 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 blah. you know we're going to outrank all the big guys like, no the big guys are going to sit back they're going to chill for a bit they're going to look at the tech they're going to start absorbing all the good engineers because they have all the money and all the experience and all the infrastructure and one day visa will just add bitcoin yeah. to their service and guess what now visa has a bitcoin blockchain wallet built yeah. into their merchant system so every merchant now soon that is on the visa network what 60 million merchants whatever it is will be able to take a bitcoin payment yeah in, inside of the existing infrastructure the, when you know it's serious when the big boys start to join the newest tech yeah and that's what's happening right now yeah yeah it's crazy because that a few i remember when i got into i got into bitcoin end of 2017 and nobody there was no institutions behind it no no, no they were not interested and so many of them yeah even though the price is down a lot of them are more and more interested in in bitcoin yeah um, so, and ethereum so, yeah so bitcoin's yeah. bitcoin's the 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 daddy it's the ford model t it's yeah. the kind of the og yeah and will always be there uh ethereum with all those updates going through the merge it's about to have like what 99 percent of its carbon footprint reduced moving wow. to proof of stake so it's going to be more secure it's going to be a bit faster it's going to be more scalable 
um, and it just kind of works. Most of the good stuff is built on Ethereum, um, but there'll be a blockchain for specific use cases, whether it's something in finance yeah. or something on supply chain or digital ID or whatever. But it won't really matter because if you have a really cool tech layer on the front, a really good UX, those UXs will talk with many different blockchains for different yeah. things. Um, some will be slow, some will be fast, some will be this, some will be that. Um, but you know, I think the last time I touched, I've actually got physical cash on me now, which is really rare because they won't, they won't, they won't, they won't cash out, they won't cash out to your, they won't cash out to your bank account at the Hippodrome, so you have to take cash. Um, but I remember I went through uh, London, Zurich, into America, into Australia, and back, and I didn't touch a single bit of currency for like two months. Wow, everything digital, everything connected to my wallets and Ubers and Airbnbs, and I didn't have to touch any of that stuff. And that's just you know we're at a Web two level now. Going to Web three, it's going to be even better. Yeah. So you know I'm looking forward to it. I'm always glass halfway full, halfway full, regardless what the price is, because the price is relevant. The price is just an accumulation method and a way of keeping track of it. But the more US dollars keep getting printed, the more valuable Bitcoin will become. The more clients want to take payments from all over the world, the more you know the easier it is to accept usdc usdt stable coins wherever it's going to be more and more people are starting to do it yeah. it's already happening yeah so you can focus on the price if you want and you can accumulate and blah 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 or you can go and launch a business in crypto yeah very quickly very scalably and have clients all over the world yeah it's completely possible now with the tools that are wow out. that's insane it's um it's been so great having you here today it's uh, been so insightful i've been spoken with somebody about crypto for a long long time and it's it's always great to speak to somebody who is actually in the business who is living breathing it every day who's going through the ups and who's going through the downs and you speak about it so passionately even though we're in a bear market um, at the moment but there's so much to be excited um about yeah, just that, like we it, just like in 2017 yeah so. it can get a bit overloaded at times yeah i think it's where you put your focus yeah. and that's where i think you know we talked about your your, your social circles and stuff yeah. like that having a good group of people that can you know separate the uh the the, the good from the bad and the chaff from the noise and etc um twitter's a minefield instagram's a minefield youtube oof, geez there's some garbage out there knowing where good quality content comes from yeah the stuff you put into your brain doing your own research knowing what's a scam what's not if it's too good to be true if there's a red flag etc um and i think just talking to people in person yeah you know, getting two or three people around a table enjoying a drink you know, do if you want to go to the pub and do it you go to a place a park doesn't matter having your little safety circle and pitching ideas to each other yeah you know some guys got countless business ideas and don't have time to fund them yeah um, you know, guys that have got a really, really great tech idea, um, but have no one to co-found them with. Yeah. A lot of those ideas come from your network. Yeah. And I think if you really want to get involved and learn something, go to a meetup, go to a Bitcoin meetup, go to an Ethereum meetup, and you'll, you'll meet some amazingly friendly people that are really smart, that know pretty much everything. But it's everyone's goal in crypto to bring more people in. Yeah. You know, you go, you stay away from the toxic crowd, you find a good crowd. We're all trying to bring more people in. The bigger the market, the better it is for everyone. So yeah. that's one thing that every crypto person has in common is we're trying to get more people in. Yeah. Wow. And um, so what, what do you have next planned for yourself personally and um, with the business? So with the business, we've had a lot of people asking, um, you know, the, the collapse of Celsius recently showed a really big part of the market that some people want to be lazy investors. They want to buy and hold it and get some yield. And that's great. 
Um, there's two different types. There's the centralized exchange, which is a black box, and you give them your assets, and they can do whatever the hell they want. Super dangerous. Then you get the other side of it, which is completely on-chain, so staking at proper DeFi. So we want to build some DeFi products um, and some staking products. We're going to start with uh, Ethereum, Cardano, Tezos, um, Solana, that kind of stuff, where you okay. stake it. It's on-chain. You can see it. We're not setting the interest rate, which is dangerous. The interest rate is based on what's on-chain. Make it very, very easily. We want to build some one-click portfolios. So we had a lot of um, business investors or institutional investors. How do you make crypto look like my ISA? Yeah. How do you make it look like my SIP account? How do you give me a bit of a breakdown on what what's doing what? So we're going to build some um, uh, uh, self-adjusting kind of portfolios and stuff that kind of readjust every like 30 days, okay. 60 days, whatever. Trying to make it, trying to make crypto look like the existing finance system, yeah. but better. Um, so those are kind of some of the products we want to build. Um, getting the yield stuff up is is really important. A helps our balance sheet as well. It's good for revenue. But we want to kind of pivot a little bit from being just an exchange to being more like a wealth creation platform, wealth growth platform in crypto. That's where we really want to get to. Um, me personally, uh, I think expanding to a few more countries would be cool. Uh, not just to travel a bit more, but obviously get more exposure for the brand. Um, I haven't really thought much further than that, actually. Okay. Uh, one of one of my one of my little tick box goals. I want to I want to play in a a very uh, major poker tournament on TV. Okay. Made it Ooh. to the second round of the the world world poker tour in Australia last time I was there. Wow! Uh, not final table, but I made it. In like, <laughs> it was a thousand entrants. I got down about three fifty or something like that. Wow. So goal for next time is make it to the top one hundred. Um, I want to take my poker career a little bit further, but apart from that, is just have the ability to um, travel when I want, uh, see the people I want to see, and obviously make cool content with this yeah. like this with uh, as many people as possible okay wow yeah and of course we'll, we'll try to help you out with as much as that and where can people find you uh yeah www.coinpass.com yeah um uh, other on linkedin or, or twitter uh they're probably my two main hangouts yeah if you have a question have a uh something you've invested in you weren't sure about or something you know that might be cool to talk about you know definitely hit us up uh, we always go for a, a content first kind of marketing strategy, um, talking about the market, some stuff about price, you know, protecting yourself online, et cetera, um, and just trying to add value. I don't yeah. think there are any stupid questions at this part There's of the not. Not in crypto. There's not. We're all trying to learn. Definitely not. It's important. Um, always trying to look out for rug pulls, you know, trying to not protect people from themselves, but how to make better decisions, really. Yeah. 100% in crypto is, is, is definitely um, super, super important. And do you have a final word for the listeners, watchers uh, as well? Yeah, I suppose just our main marketing campaign, just get crypto confident. That's the best bit. You know? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> is, um, you know, have a have a thirst for learning, even if it's just you want to focus just on Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's enough. Learning those two alone will give you so much insight. I think I've learned more about finance in the last five years from crypto than from before that wow knowing like well this is cool and this is possible why is this broken thing over here so slow oh because that's how they make all their money they make so much money like banking and financial services that they make so much money out of being middlemen and keeping it to themselves but now you've got this huge open transparent open source environment that everyone's contributing to let's just do more of this this is cool over here i want to live yeah. over here yeah um and yeah be just ready to have your mind blown yeah love that love that um like i was saying it's it's so great to to have a conversation with somebody who is involved in crypto and who's passionate about it um you know i think 
I would say young people, more and more of them are getting into crypto. I think a lot of them are being yeah, w- I, worried about it, but they are definitely seeing it. They do think it's a little bit complicated, but like you said, I think there's going to be a time where it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as you're not on the Wall Street Bets Reddit. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I mean, there's one of my wallpapers. About it. Those guys do know how to party. The, um, you know, I think it's, I think growing up now with, you know, I'm trying to think back whether I was 18 and stuff like that and I'd come out of high school, couldn't get to uni. Um, we just went straight into a job and, you know, I was not thinking about investing in finances and stuff like that, but it was a different world back then. Uh, I remember when fuel was like 60p a liter and stuff like that. It was mental. Um, and I think now with, you know, cost of living has grown hugely over the last 10 years, but wages are pretty, pretty similar. Um, a 25k wage does not leave you that much spare change anymore. I don't think people are genuinely concerned now in their early 20s about what their financial future looks like in their mid 30s you know some people are going into a job market right now if they have any student debt i mean that's savage yeah um having to live paycheck to paycheck is scary i've done it it's scary and i managed to do a little bit of travel but you know i couldn't get a credit card the first four years i've been in the uk i've only been here 12 um because i just i just couldn't get anywhere but having that much restriction when you're in your early life and some people like i will not buy a house till i'm 40 i will not be able to buy a house till i'm 50 or i'll never buy one ever because it's so far out of reach with how they're restricted in not just their financial opportunity but their financial financial education yeah they don't teach you about tax they don't teach you about starting a business they don't teach you about being self-employed no they don't teach you how to expense anything yeah. or how to read a balance sheet you know these really key core skills are being left so far behind they're seeing crypto as an opportunity to try and level up yeah faster in time because like well you can take a lot more risk when you're younger doesn't matter if you what if you lose 5k in your early 20s you can you can make that money again you can make it again yeah exactly Um, yeah but they see more of an uplift in risking 5k because you put 5k into an investment now that might might do five or seven percent a year or whatever it is it's going to take 20 years to double. Yeah. It's absolutely mental and they don't have that kind of time. Job market's kind of crap. You know, you're now competing with, with remote work. You're competing with people all over the world. Um, doesn't look that attractive to go and get a five year degree just to get a basic job. Um, so no, they've got, they've got, they've got a bad deal. Right. Very bad deal. Very bad deal. Very, very bad deal. So, you know, and I think you can either, you know, be depressed about it and do nothing. And just go and do the norm like everyone else, or you add a bit of risk to your life and and do a bit of crypto and try a bit of trading and try yeah. as many things as you can and find something that works. Yeah. Um, or there's so many opportunities online. There's Amazon businesses and then there's other marketing bits and freelancing and you know there's so many more opportunities now than there was when I was in my early twenties. Was you, it was bricks and mortar jobs and that was kind of it. Yeah. Um, freelancers were like your musicians and your artists and stuff like that. But now you could be a freelance anything. You know, so I think the opportunities are out there to do it, and if you can add any sort of crypto layer to it, then you're, you know, you're you're leveling ahead of everyone else. Yeah, completely, completely agree. Um, I was having this conversation with my wife actually as well that I wish that I took more risks when I was younger. I feel like that is the time, and like you said, we don't get taught. Actually, when you're younger, take all the risks in the world. Don't just, of course, if you want to go and get a full-time job, that's fine. But maybe try to do something yeah, new all the time at that yeah, point. But, yeah, but double it down. And yeah. I think everyone should have a side hustle no matter yeah. what it is. Keep, you need three hobbies. One to keep you creative, one to keep you fit, 
and want to make you money. Yeah. And those are the three things you should do. There's nothing wrong with the occasional video game or concert or whatever it is. Uh, you need to give your brain time off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I see why more people are turning to crypto or, or NFTs, whatever it is now, yeah. because they need an edge and they're finding it in crypto. Yeah. Love that. And that is a great way to um, end the podcast. Thank you, Jeff, so much for blessing us, actually, with the opportunity to speak with somebody from inside um, the crypto world and giving us a glimpse of what the future's like. It's very, very exciting. And listeners, yeah, I can't wait. Maybe we'll come back in a, in a year and we'll see what the market's doing. Yeah, it'll be crazy we'll to see like, what it's like. We'll do like August, September next year. And we'll yeah. be like, oh, yeah, it's even worse now. <laughs> Oh, no, we're cut and the new edit. It's even better than it was. Now. <laughs> <laughs> be cool. Oh, that would be so awkward, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. No, um, thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me down. It's been a lot of good fun. No, you're very, very welcome. And I'll definitely take you up on that offer um, in a year. Listeners, thank you so much for listeners and watchers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Takeoff Experience. And yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs>